will come out, will come to play. Just for recreation's sake, to pass the time away. Lots of fun, heaps of fun, enjoy yourself today. North Melbourne boys are hard to beat when they come out to play. So join in the chorus, sing it one and all. Join in the chorus, North Melbourne's on the ball. Good old North Melbourne, the champions you'll agree. Hello and welcome to the pre-season edition of the Stern Look, which is proudly brought to you by Mick Gatto Consultancy. Mick Gatto Consultancy, your friendly pharmaceutical consultant. I'm Kangaroos Forever. For today's show, we have Ben Cousins, part-time drug dealer, June 80. Welcome. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on. Also, tonight we have the leader of the I Love Ashenka You Beauty Club, Nate Seven. <laughs> Good evening and thanks for having me back again. Good to have you on. For today's show, I'm just going to structure the show as it ran last year, but with a few changes because it is a pre-season show. So first up, the panel will run through any major issues or dramas that happened in the AFL world during the past few weeks. And then next up, we have Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down, which will be followed up by a little bit on the VFL, and then questions, and then we'll have a full review of North's pre-season. So just getting right into the major issues, the first one is the Mick Gatto incident with Eston Football Club. It's quite an amusing situation in that there appears to be negotiations or Mick Gatto being involved at the Eston Football Club during the Eston drug scandal. So I know Nate doesn't know a heap about this, so I'll just ask Jane Aidy, what, what do you take out of this whole situation? Um, well, basically, I when the, when the news came out, and particularly on Big Footy, you sort of Heard a lot of people going, oh, you know, he shouldn't have blackmailed them, blah, 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 blah. No, you're correct. They shouldn't have. But it, it just seems to be glossed over that the fact that they were dealing with this guy. And considering all the, all the other stuff, like Dank being shot at, um, charters going very, very quiet, there seems to be something a little bit more sinister to this than meets the eye. Um, obviously he, uh, Wallace and I'm not sure of the other guy's name. Um, obviously knew knew something that um, that they wanted compensation for. Or like obviously they were they were troubled by the whole situation. I can understand Dean Wallace being um, troubled by it because he was the butt of many jokes. So well, not just on Big Footy, but in the media. Um, and then that work work safe case going down, um, like. He's obviously gone to a uh, fairly extreme measure to try to uh, get some recompense for that. Um, but why would you deal if you were going to blackmail someone? Why would you have that particular gentleman as part of the story? Because if something's going to go down and if there's something very explosive about it, I can only see it ending one way. <laughs> um, and if there's nothing to it, well then what the hell are you doing anyway? Exactly right. So, um, so I'm not. I, I, I really, apart from that, I don't really have much else. It's um, just another bizarre turn in a story full of bizarre turns. I think. Mm, exactly right. It, it'll be an interesting telly movie when it comes out in about five, six years. <laughs> Didn't Brendan Goddard say something Brendan about Goddard. if we're going to have a movie about us or something? Well, I saw like that. a seagull at the beach today. Yeah, maybe he yeah, can. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> maybe he can. Act as <laughs> what, what's Talk your take on this, mate? 
Oh, well, what I don't get is, okay, well, I can play devil's advocate or I can play a bit of funny buggers. Um, so it's coming out how many years later after he was allegedly involved. I don't know if he still is involved. This, sorry, we're talking about, um, what's his bloody name? The big fat bald prick. Um, yeah, him. Um, Mick Gatto. If he's still involved at Essendon, then why it's coming out, was it three, or three and a half, four years later, and why all this is still growing on? The other thing, it's either someone here is lying, either Lindsay Tanner, the former and still current shitbag, but former Same. politician, and he's saying, no, he wasn't involved, and Gatto's saying he was involved. One of them's lying, and the other one's, well, we hate to think about it, someone's telling the truth at Essendon. I mean, that's, that's the fucking weird irony in this. Um, and... <laughs> Get your head around that. Listen, like, seriously, someone at Essendon is telling the truth after all of this huff and bluster about, oh, you know, the truth, we'll all be happy when the truth comes out and we're all going to use things to make things go away. Oh, you're not, we're not happy with you, so we're going to pay you to shut the hell up and get out of here and whatever else. <laughs> and I think everyone else is getting on the old gravy train and then they're real, then realising, oh, shit, Essendon's got no money to pay us. So really all they can do is say, threaten us and say, well, you're nothing but a, uh, a shit bag has been who's going to be a, I don't know, a premiership coach for a country football team in relation to Dean Wallace. I mean, how, how, how does that make you feel? I mean, seriously, you're Dean Wallace, you're a former premiership Essendon player, and um, being called that, I think that's pretty disgusting, but, you know, you're dealing with a disgusting club, and they always have been and always will be. Um, and it's, I suppose it's no surprise that they're dealing with these subhuman-type people and, and all the, the trash that's coming out of their mouth. It's... It's vile, but at the same time, it's bloody hilarious looking from the outside and, you know, when you hate the club. But uh, that, and just the issue with Sam Newman, and did you touch on that, K4, about... Um, oh, not yet. That's the next... <laughs> well, you, off you go. <laughs> well, the whole Sam Newman abusing Mike Sheehan over pretty much just releasing the interview notes and video to the Herald Sun about Sam Newman's interview with Mick Gatto about the whole situation. Now, I haven't, I've only just found out about it this morning, so I think Jane 80 probably knows a little bit more than I do about the whole situation. Yeah, it was Mike Sheen's son, Tony, who's a bit of a piece of work. I think he was, um, I think he was supposed to be that trade whisperer over the trade period, and, and there was a whole heap of crap going along with him, and to be honest, he just seems like a class A tool. So in that in that respect, I suppose the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Um, but the Sam Newman thing was basically, well, the footy show were promoting the fact that they had the exclusive, um, as you said, the notes got released and Sam went off. So it was really a case of watching two people fight each other and just hoping that they'd both knock each other out. Because like, like, like I said in the pre-show, there's no... There's no um, there's no horse you really want to back in that contest because they're both pretty wild humans. <laughs> Anything to add, mate? Oh uh, yeah, I just want to back in, back up what Jan Eighty said. I mean, that's uh, and I was actually going to touch touch on it, and that's what I'm going to say. Sorry for that. In the previous sort of um, segment, there is um, you know, Sam Newman's obviously pissed that he didn't have the exclusive, or as Harold Sun used the word, we have an exquisite. No, they <laughs> Harold Sun, you've got it wrong. <laughs> well done for Harold Sun. <laughs> Yeah, well done. I've got to find that and I've got to post that. That's hilarious. Um, it makes, <laughs> makes great ready material. Um, Why did you write a book without knowing English? It's Harold's son, man. It's bloody the way media is going. So. Anyway, back on subject. 
Um, he's pissed that he didn't have the exclusive, and someone got in before him, being the Sheehan family. Um, for those that don't know, Tony Sheehan, I think it's the same one, he calls himself Shifter Sheehan, who I think he's the one used to be on a football show with TAC Cup Future Stars, if it's the same one I'm thinking of. And, you know, for Sam Newman to get all pissed about it, I mean, we're, we're talking about news that involves a guy who... All he does in the media for what, the last four or five years is smoke cigars on Ligon Street, Carlton, and he calls press conferences and says, this was the ghetto thing, to say, oh, the reason I've got you here today is to get you away from my house. That's the sort of person you're dealing with, just a guy who just plays everyone and doesn't give a shit. So I'm not <laughs> sure really why you'd want an exclusive. I can understand because it's because of the involvement or alleged involvement with Essendon, but it just, it is, it is, as someone keeps saying in the, um, in the sympathy thread, it is just the gift that keeps on giving and it will be never ending, as Wild Bill likes to say. Um, yeah, that's my take on it. I just, I don't know. Hope it keeps going, really. <laughs> right. Now onto something completely different, just showing my Monty Python. Uh, the MRP Lotto <laughs> with the Cunnington Band. Uh, I know this doesn't sit well with a lot of us at North, the MRP. We're not big fans of it. Nate, is there any way to ensure consistency from the MRP? No. The only, well, yes, yes and no. The yes answer would be to get rid of it. Uh, the no would mean the AFL, because they've got their dirty hands on something, they're going to implement something else. So it almost, from a defeatist point of view, it's, you're in a lose-lose situation because, you know, the whole AFL involvement and all the inferences that go along there with on BF. Um, there's too many grey areas. Um, and there's far too many inconsistencies. Your question is about consistencies and that sort of thing. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to say that I think maybe we just have to deal with it and go, okay, well, we know what we're in from. We know, you know, the old saying of better the devil you know, you know who you're dealing with, it's the AFL. And, well, maybe you just go, you take the good with the bad. Um, and it's not what I would say last year or the year before, but um, sometimes we do get the rub of the green, which is extremely rare. Um, but then you get the Hawthorns, the good blokes, and they really seem to get a well get away with it. It's an understatement. I don't know. Um, Jan, Adi, what do you think? I mean, I've, I'm sort of a bit neither here nor there with it. Well, I think um, the MRP, in as much as um, analysing the games and looking for cases that need to be considered, is actually a good thing. What I don't like is the grading system. Um, they've copied it from the uh, the NRL. Uh, grading system, which I think I might have mentioned in one of the points, makes sense for NRL because it's usually the contact is always usually front on, whereas in AFL football you've got contact potentially coming with it, coming from anywhere, you've got balls on the ground, in the air, and there's a million and one factors that need to be considered. And to shoehorn them into basically three or four categories is just it, you're gonna ha- it's gonna throw up these kind of d- decisions I think they should go back to just analyzing the cases on their merit and basically making a decision including um, precedents all that sort of stuff um, I just don't see the grading system as is appropriate for for uh, for these cases. Just on that with the grading, and now I'm having another think about it with a red wine in my hand, um, which really helps. Um, Bossy work. Very, very. Um, <laughs> the the issue, and I, I haven't got it in front of me uh, as usual, pretty typical of me, but with the matrix, when it comes to, you know, the grading matrix and it talks about sort of low impact or is it um, 
high-impact head and all that sort of stuff. It's through the tool. So, and you go across and you go down, then you come out with, you know, your fine or your, your minimum one week or two weeks or whatever. There's one part of it from memory where it talks about or it, it stipulates if it's in the head, it's like a medium impact or it's a minimum um, whatever. It, it goes, it skips the lowest rank of um, grading essentially because it's the head. Now, is what you, what Jan 80 said there is you do have a million and one factors going on. You've got the um, all sorts of people come and players and the ball coming from all sorts of different angles rather than the NRL, which is pretty much forwards, backwards, left and right and up and down to a bit. Um, there is an issue with incidental elbow. The incidental, you know, I might accidentally touch um, a, a graft of someone's hair and automatically I'm looking at a $1,500 fine first first offence because I'm on good behaviour bond or some crap like that. Um, rather than just looking at it going, okay, that's incidental contact. There was, it's play on. He, the player didn't even notice. Um, the umpire didn't notice, which happens a lot anyway. And um, we don't really need to come over the top and go, okay, well, you might have grazed a follicle of hair. And, you know, there's, there's no reason for stupidity in this. You just have some bloody brains about it. Think like a human. Don't look at it and go, oh, okay, well, it matches the matrix, therefore it's X, Y, and Z. Maybe do you get to a point where you go, we, we tear it up, we, we throw it out, and we go, okay, what, you, what GNA said before, take everything on its merit. Maybe look at some precedents and okay, go, this is what we've done in the past. But if you've had a bad precedent in the past, admit that and then go, okay, if we use that as our, our moving, our, uh, sorry, our precedent moving forward, then you've got a real issue. You're going to get everyone offside and we've seen what's happened in the past. Although, with, anyway, I'll just stop there. But I, I don't know. Maybe it just needs a complete rejig from that perspective as well. Mm. Yeah, that's about it for me. Yeah, well, whether, sorry, mate. Oh, sorry. Yeah, on that. Um... The whole grading system was supposed to take interpretation out of it, but it's actually adding interpretation to it. Like, it's just going, people arguing semantics. Oh, yes, that's... Like, to make the distinction between, uh, was it careless and incidental? Or, sorry, um, careless or reckless or... There's careless and yeah, reckless. Like, and how do you judge between that? It's too great. Yeah, exactly. Like I, mean, like, I mean, Cunnington's case is actually a really good example because, like... It was just incidental. Like you, you, you can argue that it was careless. Um, if you want to look at it that particular way, I don't necessarily agree with it. But like, if you want to go, if if you want to rub someone out, you can rub someone out very very easily in this system, and it doesn't really throw up a fair result in a lot of cases, as we've experienced as a club with Cunnington and how he was. Okay, look at it at fast pace, at game pace, and don't look at it at at um, half pace or whatever the hell they did on the news and all the rest of it. As someone yeah. on the North Melbourne board and on the main board is from other teams have said, whatever happened to the rule about going through someone's legs below the knee and how that wasn't mentioned? I mean, Correct, okay, as, yeah. a North Melbourne, yeah, as a North Melbourne supporter, I'd go, yes, absolutely. And I look at some other incidents from last year, team games not invo- involving North Melbourne, I'm going, hang on, why is a particular player being done for a shin to someone's head or neck? and yet the player who went through went through with shoulders and forearm as well. And I'm not going to name who the club was, but yeah, I mean, we all know who. Yeah, it's, it's usually the same yeah, types of players yeah. or clubs. And you look at that and you go, but there was a, that rule was brought in for a reason. Whether you like it or not, a rule is a rule and it is there, whether you like it or not. And it's the same with third man up in the ruck, whether you like that or not. You play to what the rules say. And then that's when the players, the coaches, the officials, the spectators, more about the supporters, get pissed off because you go... Well, hang on. The AFL has said, here are the rules for this year. 
here are the rules currently standing. Here are the rules we're not going to, you know, here are the rules for 2017. This is what we're playing to. And it almost seems like, oh, round three is this, but then round seven is X, Y, and Z. And you go, well, fucking what is it going to be in the finals? And they wonder why they're getting so many people offside because you go, in the beginning, they said, oh, here are the rules. But then they're not applied consistently. And that's when I'm coming back again to, well, yes, there was the knee to the head, but there's there's a lot more to a knee to the head in what happened with the Cunnington incident. There's a lot more to it. And Correct, I don't yes. think we've looked at it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Righto. We'll move yeah, on. No. We'll move Spot on from that. Uh, thanks for that, guys. Good discussion. All right. Uh, Move up the thumbs up, thumbs down, because we t- took a bit longer than I thought we would for that section. So my first thumbs up will be the ever-decreasing injury list with Garner and Anderson set to play a VFL practice match this weekend. And my second thumbs up is the excellent form showed by Jamont and Cunnington during the JLT series. But my thumbs down is very much the Cunnington suspension. I don't agree with it. I'm not happy about it. And my second thumbs down would be the wood injury coming at a really bad time for him and far forward line. What are your thumbs up and down, Nate? Oh, on the Cunnington theme, my positive is Mr. Ben Cunnington. Um, looking very good this year. <laughs> Was looking good last year, but looking even better this year. Uh, uh, cutting a very fine figure and um, hope he keeps it up. That's that's really nice. We were talking about this in the pre-show. <laughs> Shut up, I can hear you laughing. Um, I've got someone else here laughing in the background in the show. Um, that, that's really good to see. The other um, thumbs up for me is the very apparent change of um, tactic. So obviously when you have a change of, a major change in personnel uh, on the ground, so uh, the players, you're going to have a shift, you'd think, um, with your game plan, and that's been quite obvious in all aspects of the ground, so that's been really good. That's something we could probably run through at another time, so that's they're the two from me. Um, the negative, um, I mean, an injury list, you can never say, oh, it's, it's always going to be very hard to have zero injured this time of year. It's going to happen, but you're going to have a few. <clears throat> that would be one of mine. That's really clutching at straws there. The other one's actually a little bit different is um, the North Melbourne membership is really dropping away. And I just saw today, and I think yesterday, that it's a little bit down on last year's total at the same time. Um, and obviously, obviously there's a lot of speculation in regards to uh, those who haven't signed up because of Petrie, Harvey and Ferrito being um, jettisoned. But we can only speculate there. So... I mean, those two are probably clutching at straws, but I mean, you, you want you want to give uh, two thumbs up and down. So there you go, um, Giannotti. That's your turn. Okay. Well, um, I was going to talk about Ben Cunnington, but I think uh, Nate's Mills and Boone novel really was um, <laughs> enough said on that. So I think the first um, the first thing I, I really liked is um, seeing just some flashes from a lot of players. Um, Jai Simpkin obviously is one. But, well, actually, Jai Simpkins, the one I really want to talk about. Um, I don't know whether you guys see the same thing when you see a, a first-year player or a player in these first few games, um, where you see them do just one or two little things and you go, wow, that guy can play. He can do things that no one on the list can do. The only, Well, the, the last time I saw that was in 2005 or six, I think, and it was... Uh, Jesse Smith at Geelong. He just did that one or two little things that you go, wow, we've got a player on our hands. And I think for, for well, for me personally, that was, that was really good because I think having a big off season of doom and gloom and 
oh, we have no players that have got skill or, or flair or anything like that, to see Simpkin do some of the things that he did over the preseason was really, really uh, encouraging. The uh, second thumbs up I've got is to uh, the North Melbourne Football Club. For um, I noticed that they brought the elephant back to Arden Street. I thought that was a really good touch. I thought that was really funny. Um, but that's my sense of humour. Um, thumbs down. The basically the oh, just the endless media um, basically saying oh they dropped so and so and so and so and how many of the games of experience we get it it's <laughs> I think most football followers would know that those guys have left can we start talking about something else because it's just really um it's like for however many media outlets and contributors that there is in AFL, it's really lazy. It is really just... Everyone's writing variations of the same thing. Surely there's more important stuff. Like, I would rather... I'd rather a story about up-and-coming players from each club or something completely different, um, as opposed to just people rehashing the same old things. I mean, and add to that Terry Wallace. I mean... I was unfortunate enough to hear his uh, SEN segment uh, during the week, and he was crapping on about some footy golf crap. I'm just going analyze the game. That's what you're paid to do. I could come up with that crap and cost ten percent of what you're being paid. Like it's um, yeah. So the media is really starting to get on me a bit. Fair enough. Don't blame me for that one. <laughs> we'll move straight on to the VFL, which is pretty much Nate's domain, so we. Me and Jane eighty live interstate, so Nate, far away. Yeah. Oh, just before we go on there, I just wanted to add. I forgot about um, the one thing I saw about the Arden Street game is the Jai Simpkin. I saw one thing from him, and I thought, oh yeah, there'll probably be about ten threads about future Hall of Famer captain, this sort of thing. Um, the other player from the preseason that I've seen a bit of, and I like the look of his, um, and even at training actually, is Cam Zerhart. So I uh, can't remember where he was taken, but um, in the rookie yeah, draft. Yeah, I'm, I'm really. Yeah, but looking forward, we've, we've taken up some really good players across the board from both the rookie and um, yeah, in the main draft. So I'm I'm really excited, probably more so than I don't know how many years actually, but um, it shits all over previous years tenfold. But we are talking about the VFL now. So um, for those who those people who have been living under a rock for the past I don't know six months or whatever. Are unaware, Werribee this year will not be playing at home due to ground redevelopment. That's been covered by G, Giant Roos videos um, and timelapse videos in the relevant thread over on Big Footy. Um, they've only had a few changes, but there's some key changes. Um, they've had a, a Josh Porter, who is more of a second string ruckman um, and a ruckman win. Uh, the, our, the North Melbourne ruckmen are uh, not there. Jake Wilson, Fender off to Adelaide, and Isaac Conway off to Port Melbourne. Um, the ins are a bunch of, um, put it this way, country players and underages have taken one, I've got to find it again while I'm scrolling through, taken one mature age country guy, I'm going to find it while I'm talking crap, it's pretty much every bloody week. <laughs> Where is it? Oh, I can't find it. Anyway, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a, a difficult year this year, boys. Um, oh, yeah, so TOC Krupp graduates who could make an impact. They're talking about uh, Harry Boyd, Lewis Pinnock, Daniel Foley and Jordan Cotter and Isaac Miller from the Bendigo Pioneers. Uh, not the old Bendigo VFL side, by the way. Not. Um, 
Yeah, so they're obviously they're all talking about Jake Wilson going. He was one of their main players down back, so that's um, a big loss for them. Um, in other news, what's his name? Uh, tripod? What's his, oh, Robin Naha, sorry. Uh, that's, that's for you, Greater Gatsby. <laughs> he loves that. Uh, uh, I was going to go with something else, another term. That, um, yeah, Tripod will do, Robin Naha. He's off to Port Melbourne, and I think there's someone else. We've got a few other players, ex-North Melbourne players who are playing. Or well, when I say ex-North Melbourne, they were North Melbourne listed who may not have played a game, but um, playing at Williamstown and... Port Melbourne, and yeah, there's probably one at Coburg, along with the guy who's coming back from a CAS suspension, Alex Brown, which is amusing, because that's not really his club. Um, another one of the Essendon 24, apparently. Uh, with all the preview notes that are written up about Werribee, have it a bit positive. Um, it's a bit interesting to what I'm sort of thinking and what um, some of the other VFL watchers are thinking on the North Melbourne Big Footy board, so we'll wait and see on that. Um, just finishing up, so... They'll have three practice games, Werribee. The first one is this weekend, so March 18, Saturday, 2 p.m. down at Sandy, um, against Sandy. So for those who don't know, it's run by Bayside City Council, all the parking around there, so you'd want to be um, on your game with that when it comes to paying for beach parking. Other places to park would be the Sandy Pub if you want to have a drink and walk around the corner. Hampton Street, Hampton, and get off there at Hampton Street if you're getting on the train. Um, or Lineker Road, where there's also conveniently a hospital if you happen to drink too much. Um, any other games? Yeah, I know. Uh, we'll be playing again, I think, Coburg and someone else, and we'll go through that at a later date. Um, we might have to get someone else to go through that because I might not be around. Um, be interestingly, in, yeah, I might, I might be in the hospital. Uh, yeah, bit of an interesting one, just looking at some other practice games. The Red Tails, who are from the Northern Territory, the only non-VFL side to be playing in these VFL practice matches. Uh, they're playing against the Casey Demons. So for those who live down in the Casey region, down the Casey Fields, oh, shit, that game's already gone. Don't worry about that. That was earlier in the month. Um, cool, so I'm just talking about it's not even relevant again. Uh, in terms of that, that's about it. Right, so thanks. we'll leave it at that for VFL, yeah. Well, thanks for that, mate. Uh, we'll move straight on to the questions. So pretty much Gasso is going to ask all of us these questions. So I'll start off with Gene 80 so, who's your BNF tip? <laughs> Ladder position? 10th. Same as more. Most goals? And by <laughs> who? Ben Brown, he'll kick 40. Highest Brown, low from North Melbourne? Todd Goldstein with 11 votes. Most improved? I'm going to go a bit left field with this one, and it does depend on a factor or two. Um, I'm going to say Lindsay Thomas, because I think he'll play a lot more through the midfield, and we will get a lot out of him from doing that. Mm. Okay, and one final one is Will Gasso and Gene 80 meet up in 2017? <laughs> will Gasso come to Perth? Because with my family at the moment, I've got a, my little, one of my little boys has been already been pushed back for an operation. So the only way that's going to happen is if Gasso gets over to Perth. Um, so yeah, it's in, the ball's in his court. Fair enough. I'm going to stand outside. Correction, Gasso, or as he likes to be known as Gasometer, is probably going to crack the shits at one, if not all of us, for how we're calling him. So, um, actually, no, nah, fuck it, just keep calling him Gasso. No, I know, it's a bit of a lighthearted joke, but you still know. But, yeah, um, Gasso, as we're going to call you, get your big ass to Perth, get down from Katamatite, east, south, northeast, wherever you're from, get to Tullamarine, 
fly to Perth, even put yourself on Tiger if you have to, although I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. Get over there and whenever they're playing over there. Okay. Uh, I'll ask the same questions as Nate, so BNF tip. Oh, man. Um, ben Cunnington. Ladder position? Seven. Sorry, how are, we, are we talking about home and away season or after the finals? Home and, home and away. Seven. Seven. Most goals and by who? Lindsay Thomas. Are we asking for how many goals as well? If, if you'd like. Oh, I'd like to say 51. Highest Brownlow, vote getter. I'm at pains to say this, Andrew Swallow. Okay. And most improved. Oh, I think you're going to see something really extraordinary from Ben Brown. Oh, that's a good one. Right, eh? Uh, mine, BNF, Dumont, ladder position, 10th. Most goals, Brown with 52 goals. Highest Brownlow, Getter, Cunnington with 8 to 9 votes. Most improved, Kane Turner. And just a question for me from Gaz, so just to annoy him. <laughs> Which round will you ignore his questions? All of them. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> uh, one final question for Gene 80 from Gorman to Geister, who asks, what is the most promising and most disappointing thing to come from the off-season? Um, well, it's probably going to mirror my thumbs up, thumbs down a little bit. Um, as I sort of said before about the players just showing flashes of things that, as a North supporter, well, we haven't seen in recent times. So, like, yes, the Simpkin turns and goals and some of the stuff that um, Robat did. I think that's, as opposed to saying a particular player or a particular thing, I just think just seeing those flashes of um, difference, knowing that we're going to offer up something different as a club uh, this season than we have, well, probably since, you know, since the 90s. That's really exciting for me. Um, the... Um, the Low lights or the negatives, I suppose, is that the fact that a lot of these kids got injuries, like you would Garner, even Brown. You would have loved these guys to get full pre-seasons under their belts. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that um, it's going to be a problem in the short term necessarily, but I do think that they will run out of legs at the end of the season just because of that lack of conditioning. Okay. Right. We'll move straight on to the pre-season wrap for North and... Really, what did you take out of the JLT series as a whole, G and eighty? Uh basically ten very good quarters and two uh two pretty poor quarters. Um for what we for I think we probably got more out of the preseason than a lot of clubs. Um because obviously like I said, uh yeah, just trialing all these new combinations and new new players basically. I mean I think it was a I mean, to be honest it's the best preseason comp that we could have thought, um, we could have expected. I think I don't, um, particularly how we played the first half against GWS, I was really impressed with that. Mm. Okay. Uh, how did you see it, Nate? I know you only had a limited watch of the JLT series, but... Yeah, yeah so from from half of all the games that I've seen, so being seen a, well, no, I've seen a bit of two, but the other one I didn't... Um, I really, I'm really impressed with all the different combinations and the setups at the centre bounce, all the stuff that's the end-to-end stuff that's changed um, across the ground, the transitional stuff, um, the willingness to put players forward and back, so those who'd be in the middle and going backwards and forwards, and um, seeing Swallow up forward and seeing Andrew Swallow down back, and also the little bits of, I mean, yes, he will go down back a bit, but um, seeing some other different stuff like that thrown in. 
I really like the idea of uh, I don't know how many on the bench that we that the clubs are allowed, but I, I think that's a that's a great that's a great thing to have. Yes, it's summer. Yes, it's hot, and um, see some guys who you probably won't see again in North Melbourne colours this year. But given that chance, and um, and for North Melbourne to show why they've been selected to the wider public is really good. And um, that's another thing I really like about the JLT series. But there's rumours about it just becoming two practice games next year and not. Um, and sorry, going from three down to two. Um, other things that I liked, uh, yeah, the change of game plan. But other than that, I think I've covered it at the start of the show and I've just covered it then. So, yeah, that's it for me. That's what I took out of it. Fair enough. Uh, Gene 80, excluding the players you've just talked about, like Joe Simpkin and the Hofrat, for example, who have been the two other players that have impressed you the most this preseason and why? Um, I'm gonna, I know you guys are probably going to laugh when I say this, but... Uh, getting back to my whole flashes of good signs sort of thing, I reckon Sean Antley in the mid- midfield looked pretty good. Uh, I thought that was um, not the whole time, but I think if he gets a little bit more accustomed to that role, I think we might see what we thought we were going to get out of him. And I think that's purely because he'll be you know, settling in the right position. Um, in the GWS game, I thought Kane Turner was very, very good. I thought he's, um, yeah, he, he certainly gives us something, uh, for, for a guy so small to really have that physicality yet and also have a fair bit of skill. It's, um, I think, you know, if he can, you know, just do the right thing and stay out of the, uh, drink driving situations, I think we, we might see a good thing from him. Yeah. How about yourself, Nate? Move the two. Uh, uh, what did I take out of it, or what was the, sorry? What was the question? Oh, uh, so much yeah. in terms of players. Like, who are the two? Probably from obviously like the Simpkins and the Hoverat and the Higgins. But who are the two that have really impressed you, and why? Um, well, oh, I'd like to go three or four actually, but go nuts. You want two. Oh, okay. Um, Tyler Durden. Oh, Sam Durden. Um, showing why <laughs> he was taken the pick he was, even though it's, he's taken a few years to. Um, come through with that, and I was starting to doubt him last year, so he's actually that's egg on my face, which is really good. Um, he's, he had some outstanding time on the ground at Arden Street, and that was, I'm assuming that's what it's called. Yeah, it's still called Arden Street these days. Um, really liked him. Yeah, he's just going to make mistakes, but you know, they're not going to be all the players are not going to be perfect 100% of the time, so that's good. He learns, we all learn, we move forward. Um, Ed Vickers Willis, some really good stuff, and it's stuff that I thought he would pick up on again um, and bring forward from his, his time at Werribee. Um, probably at times being a little bit like a deer in headlights at times, but I think with a bit more experience he'll come through. There's been a fair bit of negative comment about him, but um, I think um, I saw a lot of positive out of him. But then again, I haven't watched all of the games. So I don't know um, exactly where the negative came from in the Yarden Street game, So, but I was stuck down at the... Um, well, it was more uh, so the GWS the game. He was playing uh, on yeah, green, and green had a very good match. Yeah, well, that's that's this probably the stuff where it's coming from as well, so I didn't see a lot of that. But I'll have to go and look at some highlights and uh, and look at that, and I'm sure that I'll think the rest, like the rest of the Big 40 community with that. Braden Pruce um, showing moments of very good football, but not quite brilliant, which is good. Um, willing to impose, his, use his frame and use it to his advantage. There are some really big players in the AFL across some other teams who just don't use the... But I think that he does, and he can still impose himself a lot more. Um, his fitness could be a bit of an issue, but I think he um, he, he looks good. Um, and with all these 
a bit preemptive comments about, you know, if Goldson went down, then you can chuck um, Proust into the ruck. And I was talking to Rob Zombie about this, and we had a private conversation about it. But I, I think what I said to him last year and stuff that I was told is um, can now be turned on its head. And I think he could be a good addition going forward. Um, Zerha. Uh, we talked, hey, um, Kang, we spoke about this in the pre-show and what a unit he is and, um, what a, what a fair bit of a surprise he was. So, um, yeah, this, it's just been, it's been a really good year. Um, I'm really excited. I really don't care about sort of the players that were moved on now. I mean, yeah, it, it was a part, it's a history of the club, but you know, we're moving forward. This is a club, you know, we are not Brent Harbour, we are not Drew Peter or whatever. So eventually players will leave and players will come through and, but the club stays on, so I'm really happy with where the club's at and moving forward. Um, I think it's a really good um, a good place to be at the moment, and um, you've just got to, you've got to sit through some of the bad times when they come. So, yeah, I'm pretty impressed. We'll move on to the recruits. The two main ones, obviously, are Marley Williams and Hovrat. Uh What's your impressions of the two pickups, mate? Um, Marley Williams, every time I see him, I go, oh, yeah, it's, it's Aaron Edwards, only shorter. Um, <laughs> and probably similar tats, similar, similar criminal record, I'd, I'd suggest, you know, maybe they hang with the same people. No. Um, I like, I, I, I like the Marley Williams, but there's, you know, the things that he has some really good pace. Yes, he he's a good lockdown player, as we were, as Kanga and I were, we were talking about in the pre show. There are some things that, unfortunately, he might find himself on the other end of the big footy uh, whacking stick. Um, there's going to be some threads and there's going to be a, a bit of the... Who is the, the player that you dislike the most at the moment? Sam Gibson or Marley Williams? I hope that's not a conversation no. that comes up through the year and, you know, it'll be... You know who it's going to be. <laughs> and um, I think it'll be it'll default to Sam Gibson, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, who is the new whipping boy is what I'm getting at. But um, I think he's, um, it, it's something that North Melbourne have been crying out for a while. You know, this, all, he's got a lot of attributes there, and um, I don't think you can really change him much from what he is. You can only, you can only really run with his raw attributes, and that's really good. Crobat is an interesting one. Um, I, I don't know where to go with this. All right, well, we'll move on to Gene 80. Uh, Gene 80, the hover rat. What do you think? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I think. He was unfortunate at the Bulldogs that he was one of many of the same type of player. So I do think that we have picked up a, a, a serious player. Like it's not not in the old day, uh, the old like North Melbourne days of the mid two thousands where um where uh, we pick up basically fringe players that were just fringe players. Like he is a genuine best, or potentially a best twenty two player. Um, I think he's um. Mobility, obviously, and his uh, kicking, while not going the whole way to um, replace Brent Harvey, it will certainly take some of the sting out of it. Um, yeah, I think he he will be a very very good addition for us. I think, yep. absolutely. All right. So, just in terms of debutants for next week's game, do you see any likely candidates? Any names you want to throw out for a debut? I think because Willis will get a go. Um, just purely because he's got that little bit of height and so you don't like the do way that instead of Vickers Willis just because of the height of West Coast. Yeah, well, I think I think there's you know I mean there's an argument for for basically one of Durden or or Vickers Willis or even Lockie Hanson. Um, I wouldn't want to see Lockie Hanson in there just purely because he's had such a 
like he hasn't had much of a preseason and he could be short of a gallop. Yep. I think um, Vickers Willis is a very good matchup for Jack Darling, and that's why that's the only reason why I'd be going for him. Okay, because the argument Based on the little I've seen. Sorry. No, yeah, I was just thinking. This is the argument that's been made that Durden can pick up their second forward, say like a Vardy or Petrie if he plays, and. Thompson can go to Darwin because Thompson's suited to the small of type forwards and Kennedy to top Tarrant. But yeah, Vickers Wills can do that, but there is that question with when Toby Green tore apart Vickers Wills. Is he going to be strong enough for Darwin? Because Darwin's a big unit. Yes, but I think part of the issue with Toby Green was also that, uh, you know, he was actually a bit nimble, a bit too nimble for uh, Vickers Wills, although there were some obviously marking. Issues there, but I think um, the reason why I would put Vickers Willis to Darling is because I would put Thompson to Lacroix when Lacroix played forward, mm. um, because I think he'd be a very good matchup for him. He would um, be able to go with him and also be able to beat him in the air because I think that sort of mid forward will be one of the sort of players that could give us a bit of trouble this season. And I think if we can get Thompson playing that role, I think that's a good thing. But obviously for him to do that, we need coverage elsewhere, which has been the problem of um, the back line for, for quite some time now. So I, I'd say that one of Durden and Vickers Willis will play. I just don't know which one. I would pick Vickers Willis purely because I think he will go very well with Darling. Yeah. But I think Durden could be a good a good option if not if that doesn't happen. Yeah. Any other debutants you see happening? Like a Simpkin uh, or Hibbard on the bench? I would think it would if I reckon they'll pull the trigger on Simpkin if out of those two. I don't think either of them will start round one. I think um, they're both very close, and I think there is a temptation for Simpkin because he is—he's got that bit of X factor that might just and might just turn a game purely because he's got that cockiness as well. I think you know, like if it's in the fourth quarter and the game's relatively tight, I could see him just you know getting put in a pocket and doing something funny, uh, uh, something that's going to. Give us the win, but um, yeah, at this stage, I reckon both of those will just miss out. Same, same with WA boy Mountford as well. Yeah, I think he'll if he puts three very good games at VFL level together, I think he'll come in at that point. I don't think he'll come in at the start. I see it's just too similar to Gibson, and I think they'll go with Gibson. So, although I, I'd like to see a handful of debutants, but I just I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, so probably two to three, maybe four at the absolute max. Yeah. Yeah, which is fair enough for a round one game. You don't want any more than that. Right, uh, anything else to add, fellas, before we finish up? I just want to ask, on the subject of um, Vickers, Willis, Durden and Hanson, for the two of you, GNAD and Kangaroos forever, who... Okay, so it's round one, it's in Melbourne, it's an early game and against West Coast Eagles. Who do you want? Do you want a lockdown player who is going to be accountable, or do you want someone who can rebound and play loose man? What do you want against West Coast? Because Vickers Willis offers the lockdown accountable. Having watched him for two years in the VFL at Werribee, 
watched him do it to player after player after player. When all sorts of players went down for Werribee, even against Sandringham, I witnessed a number of injuries and he then had to take on a key defensive role and still did well against the Sandringham St Kilda affiliate or grouping, whatever you want to call them. So he really stepped up there and at Port Melbourne and a few other places. Yeah. That's what I like about Vickers Willis. But do you want that or do you want the taller, like, say, a Durden, or do you want loose man in defence, Hanson? Well, it depends how much you value. Who's going to be the bigger threat goal-scoring-wise, Darling or Vardy and Petrie? Or the well, rest Petrie, of I'd say no. Vardy potentially, maybe, but... Do a Max um, Bailey and kick three goals in the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Someone mentioned that. That's why the reason why I said it. Um, okay, Jack Darling. Would you say? Would you say Jack, Jack Darling would be? He's a, a greater threat, so that does lean towards. Is, yeah, Vickers. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking because he's he's not just a bog ordinary player, Jack Darling. He, I think, you need to be. He needs to be made accountable both ways. So maybe because um, Kennedy's going to get his two or three, no matter how good you are, really. Well, you could chuck three players on him and he's still going to get a few, and he's a freak. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can you can leave Bloody Petrie out by himself. You could let him flail about wherever he wants. I don't think he'll have much impact. Hopefully this doesn't get, come back to bite me on the ass. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Vickers Willis for me, I'd suggest. But, um, oh, in, re- in relation to the other thing about the cockiness, if you want to replace Mason Wood's cockiness with someone, Jai Sim can come on down. Um, but whether or not we'd go that route or we'd play the safe route and maybe just have the one debutant, um, don't know. Do not know. And there's also that word of whether Hibbert will come in. I think Hibbert's not going to come in unless there's an injury to say Wright's. No. Wright's inclusion yeah. is very underrated, not just mm. at North, but AFL. Mm-hmm. Like 2015, at his best, he was one of the best rebound defenders in the AFL. Yes. He, was ra- he was statistically ranked as that. He was... He's basically what Eastern Wood is to West. Is that and do you, do you remember which player he made almost shit his pants from Essendon when going back with the flight of the ball? Was it not Brendan Goddard? Yeah, I think it was too. Yeah, exactly. It, and he, not he, to mention he's a bit of history with Goddard because there was oh, the, when Goddard was still was still um. I just think Kilda one where he mouthed off at him when he shinned it through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was one of the hot, most horrible like, goals uh, you'll ever see. <laughs> and he just gave it to him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that that game? Oh. <laughs> uh, good times. <laughs> anyway, guys, anything else there before we finish up? I'm all good, mate. All good, Jerry Natty. Guess I get to Perth. <laughs> like he would. You never will. <laughs> One day he'll, ro- he'll <laughs> there'll be a thread. Gasso stay at your place. Then you're worried. <laughs> oh jeez, that sounds like IUB talk. Anyway, um, we'll fi- we'll finish up for tonight. Uh, thanks for jumping on Nate Seven Gene Eighty. Much appreciated. No worries. Thank you. Good to have you on. And the podcast will be back next week with a full round one interview with hopefully a West Coast poster. Maybe pants car, but we'll see what Quiv can do about that. And we'll get a full <laughs> round one preview. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you around on Big Footy.